Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. When my husband and I were newly married, we moved to Virginia and we had a door-to-door salesman come visit us and talk to us about travel deals. We love to travel and thought this would be a really good idea. We could just be right in the middle of this cool travel deal and get all kinds of specials that other people didn't have access to. This was in the days before internet access was a big deal. And so um, we thought this would be awesome. So we listened to this guy's pitch and we realized that we really couldn't afford this travel deal. This really wasn't going to work for us. And so we said no. And then he said, well, you can at least get this weekly email that has all of the really cool specials so that you'll be the first one to get to it for just $99. And we said, oh, well, that sounds good. Let's at least do that. So we paid $99 for this email that would give us access to these great travel deals. But what we didn't realize when we thought through it is that they were all last minute access deals. And we really only had like two weeks vacation and needed to plan ahead for things and kind of already had that vacation planned. And so we were paying for access to deals we would never use. So after that experience, especially as we felt pressured by the salesman and the way he was handling things, we made a boundary for ourselves that we would never ever say yes to an in-person salesman until we had 24 hours to think about it. And that's kind of hard because salesmen are trained to tell everybody, hey, this deal expires today. I can only do it while I'm here right now. And so we've learned to say, that's fine, then we won't do it. We'll lose out on that deal. But we know that they're going to come back the next time and give us the same deal usually. And so we're not as worried about it. But it gives us a lot of power and safety and calm to sit through any kind of a sales pitch and then say, yeah, we're not interested. Or we might be interested, but we always wait 24 hours. That gives us a chance to think about it offline. It can be hard to set boundaries for ourselves. And it can be even harder to communicate those boundaries. Before we set the boundary, we would be just kind of wishy-washy and awkward with salesmen where we're like, I'm not really interested. And we'd have to say that like 14 times. After we set that personal boundary for ourselves, it was easier to communicate it. It was awkward at first, but once we got the hang of it, it was way easier to communicate it. We would just say, we have a personal policy of taking 24 hours to think about any um, in-person business decision. And so having that personal policy, how can they argue with that? Today, we're talking about personal boundaries, how to create them, and why to create them. Here's a few guidelines for how to create personal boundaries. So the first thing is that we want to create them away from the person we're setting the boundary with. If we're talking about kids, we want to create them away from our kids, not in the middle of the situation. We need time to think about what it is we need and why we want this personal boundary. We need time to find language and words for it so that we can get clear about it. The second thing we want to do when we're creating a boundary is we need to figure out what we're going to do when this behavior comes up, not what we want the other person to do. So if we have a personal boundary with that salesman, we're not going to ask him to quit offering one-day deals we are going to take 24 hours before we make a decision. That's our within our control. So personal boundaries focus on what's within our control and what we are willing to do or not do in any given situation. 
The third thing about creating boundaries is that we want to practice the new behavior with the other person, especially with kids. When our grandkids come over, we have a family personal boundary of only eating in the kitchen. Our adult kids have grown up with that. They know about that. This is just a permanent thing for them. But grandkids only come over infrequently, and so it's something we need to kind of reestablish with them every time. So we had some little preschooler grandkids over, and we asked them to eat in the kitchen, but they kept coming out into the living space and hopping on the couches and eating. So I finally took some time aside and thought about it for a minute. In their home, they can't eat on the carpet either, and so they stay in the kitchen and eat, and there's a little clear carpeted boundary line. But in our family area, it's also tile, and they think that that's okay to eat there because it's tile and not carpet. So I took them over to the little place where, where the kitchen meets the living room area, even though it's both tile, and I drew a little pretend line right here to say, here's the kitchen and here's the family room. So let's hop over the line because we can only eat in the kitchen. All right, let's hop in the kitchen. Can we eat here? Yes. Let's hop over the living room. Can we eat here? No. Let's hop in the kitchen again. And so we got snacks out and we ate them in the kitchen. And then we took them out of the kitchen. I just took the snacks and put them away. And so it helped really quickly and clearly for them to see the positive behavior I wanted, which is to eat in the kitchen. And then we went all around the kitchen and figured out all the places that they could eat. They could eat at the kitchen table. They could eat in the dining room table. They could eat up at the little bar and hop up on a bar stool. They could eat standing up by the island. And so they had lots of behaviors they could do, and it was clear to them what they could do and what they couldn't do. The fourth thing about creating boundaries is to realize it's worth the effort because you're creating a family culture. You get to decide what's okay and what's not okay in your house. And so communicating that helps to build that family culture of what you actually want. The last guideline about creating boundaries is something I learned from Brene Brown. She was talking about how sometimes we don't wanna stand up for ourselves and because we wanna be kind, we wanna be nice to people. And so we just keep being nice and get mocked all over instead of having personal boundaries that um, protect what we're willing to do and not willing to do. And so she said about boundaries, clear is kind. It's kinder to be clear about what we're willing to do and not willing to do than it is to just allow any kind of behavior to happen and just get frustrated and resentful underneath of it all. The easiest way to be clear in order to be kind is to say what is okay and what's not okay. This is okay. This is not okay. In any situation, take some time aside and think about what is okay in this situation so that they have some positive things they can do and what is not okay in this situation. It's okay to say these kinds of things to me. It's not okay to say these kinds of things to me. And then you choose what you're going to do. I'm going to walk away from this conversation when that kind of thing happens because that's not okay. I don't stay in conversations when people say those kinds of things to me. If we're going to have to take some time out and walk away and actually create boundaries and think about what it is we need and don't need and why we're doing it, it kind of takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. What makes it worth the time and effort to do that? Why do we need boundaries? Like what's so important about boundaries? One thing that's really important is that 
if I don't get my needs met over time because I'm meeting everyone else's needs as a mom, I get resentful, I get tired, I get frustrated, I get maybe quiet and just kind of invisible and feel squished. When I'm in that state of mind, I am not a good person to be around. I'm not a good mom. I'm unhappy. I act out. It's not a good situation. So we need boundaries because we don't want to push ourselves all the way to the edge where we end up just exploding because our needs aren't getting met. We can create boundaries so that we do get our needs met. Think of the situation where kids keep getting out of bed. If kids keep getting out of bed, it gets super frustrating. So how can we create a boundary about our kids staying in bed? If we don't create the boundary and communicate it clearly, then they're just going to get out of bed and we're going to get fed up with it until we end up exploding. That's what tends to happen. So if we want to prevent that getting fed up and exploding, then we create a clear boundary. Part of boundary creation is figuring out what's the need underneath it. Why is it that we get so frustrated at the end of this and explode that we need to create this boundary? What's the unmet need? Your unmet need might be that you need some alone time and some downtime. Your unmet need might be that you need some time with your husband. Your unmet need might be that you're working and that you need time to work. So we're going to take some time away from our kids, not in the middle of the situation, and we're going to create this boundary. So we ask ourselves, what's our need? You know what, guys? I need some alone time. So that's one of the ways we can describe it to them. I need some alone time. And so after bedtime, I need you to not get out of bed because I need this alone time. What is okay and what's not okay? What is okay is that you can stay in your room and read. What is okay is that you can bring a project in there to do. Maybe what's okay is that you can listen to music. You get to decide what's okay in there and give them some options that they can do if they're not tired. It's not okay if you come outside your door after eight o'clock or whatever the bedtime is. Just being clear is often enough to get your kids to do what it is that you're asking them to do. The next thing to do is to create your own personal policy about what you're going to do when that boundary gets crossed. So when kids walk out of their room and come in and interrupt your space, maybe your personal action that you're going to do, not what you want them to do, but what you're going to do, is you're just going to look at your watch and start timing and however much time they're out running around doing stuff out of bed after bedtime will be the time that gets subtracted from their screen time the next day or something like that. It might seem hard to create and keep boundaries and it might seem awkward to try to have conversations about these boundaries, but you already have some boundaries. If you don't smoke, it's easy for you to say, oh, I don't smoke. And it's just a simple boundary, it's your personal policy. If you don't drink, it's easy to say, oh, I don't drink. And it's just a personal policy. If you don't have sex outside of your marriage, it's easy and someone propenses you to say, yeah, I don't do that. We can do the same things with the little tiny things in our homes with our kids. You could have a boundary with your kids, for example, that you always say no if they ask you something in front of their friends. That's just your personal policy. It's like I get nervous thinking about what your friends might be thinking. And so just know that if you ask me in front of your friends, the answer is just going to be no. Sometimes it's hard to keep a boundary because we're not sure if it's a normal boundary to have. We want to know if anyone else has this boundary around us, which is why sometimes we end up doing what other kids' families do instead of just having our own family policy about things. The best way to normalize that 
is to think about what need we have underneath it that's not getting met and then address that need. Maybe it's a need for order. Maybe it's a need for peace. Maybe it's a need for connection. And maybe it's more than one need at a time. You might create a personal boundary about how you handle chores and reminding them because you have two needs. One is you need some cooperation so that you don't feel like you're the only one getting overworked doing all the chores and so you want them to participate. And the other need is to not be seen as the big nighttime ogre who's reminding everybody about their job. You don't want the job of being the reminder. And so to have both of those needs, we need to create a personal boundary around how chores get done and what I choose to do when chores aren't done. It takes some practice to figure out how to do personal boundaries, but it is so worth the effort. It's worth the effort to get clear about what we want and why we want it. And it's worth the effort to overcome the awkwardness of the first time we actually talk to people about our boundaries to say, this is what I need and this is why I need it. One good way to communicate our needs is to use what we call the one-liner. The one-liner is a statement that goes like this. I feel, put in an emotion there, about or when, put in the observable behavior that you're seeing, because, and then you tell them why that behavior is affecting you. So I feel about because, I feel when because, that's the one-liner. And then at the end is a request, something that you're asking them to do. So for example, I feel frustrated when you don't take out the trash because all of us have jobs and I need a sense of cooperation and fairness in household chores. Or I feel discouraged when you get out of bed after bedtime because I need some alone time. I need time to rest and recover and recuperate on my own before I go to bed. After you've said your one-liner, the next part is to make a request. There's a lot of respectful ways to request things from our kids. Would you be willing to? I would like. It would mean a lot to me if. I would appreciate it if. Will you? Please. Or a little bit more demanding, I need you to. So if chores are supposed to be done by dinner time and your son comes to the table without having done his chore, your one-liner might be, I feel frustrated when the trash isn't done and you come to the table at dinner time because all of us have jobs and we've agreed that they're done by the time we come to dinner. Please go take out the trash before you sit down to eat. All of this boundary setting and one-liners needs to be done with a heart of peace and love, not with a heart of war and embattlement. Remember, clear is kind. The clearer we are with the boundaries and expectations we have for our kids, the more they realize what they need to do in order to be successful in our home. When we create a boundary, sure, they're gonna bump up against it a bit. That's their job. And our job is to hold that boundary firm so that they understand where they are in the world and where they are in our home so that they know what's expected of them and they can just relax into their lives. All of this boundary setting seems like it's a lot of effort because you have to take some time away to think through what it is you want, but it's worth the effort. As you set these boundaries, you only have to set them a few times before kids know you mean business, and then they just work within what's expected because they're clear about what's expected. What you're really doing here is creating a family culture. You get to decide how your home is going to be, and so as you create these policies and boundaries, 
it creates a family culture. You can have a family culture of fun. You can have a family culture of, of a bit of order. You can have a family culture of a lot of activity. You can have a family culture of calm. You get to decide what happens and doesn't happen in your home that adds to this family culture. Some of the true principal takeaways for me from setting boundaries is that when people don't get their needs met, it comes out in other ways, in frustration, resentment, and anger. We can prevent that frustration, resentment, and anger by creating boundaries. Another principle is that clear is kind. Helping kids see what is okay and what's not okay is one of the best things we can do for them. You can't follow an expectation unless you clearly know what that expectation is. Setting boundaries takes a lot of practice, but it's definitely a skill worth learning as a parent. It's one of those skills that takes good parents and makes them good at parenting. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.